should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. We're bringing back morning basketball talk to the game. Bro, what are you talking about, man? From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, the game presents cool, man. Rip City Wake and Take. That's cute, man. That's cute. Now your hosts, alongside Jay Gliss, here's Alex Moore. Now Dame, a pullback three-pointer. He got it! Damian Lillard, do it! Do it! Do it till you're satisfied! He's matched his career high of 51-93-78. Lillard now dribbles right, pulls back a three-pointer. He got it! Lillard connects. They're going to take a look to see if it was a three, but he points to his wrist and says, you know what time it is. Damian Lillard now has a Trailblazers franchise record for most points in a single game. Well, when he had 20 in the first quarter, I was like, all right, this is going to be a 40 night. You know, this is a 40 night easy, you know, if he continues to stay aggressive and hot. And then they got 45 one into the fourth quarter. So I was like, okay, this is 50 night. <laughs> and then once you get 50, like, oh, maybe it's a 60 night. Adams gives it back to Ross. Deep shot. What a perfect ending to a historic day. Happy summer. You're listening to the Rip City Wake and Take. And just like the beginning of this show, I played a lot of audio clips to start there. We have a lot to talk about today on the Wake and Take. So much to cover, including a crazy weekend for anybody who follows the Portland Trailblazers. So much going on. Whether it was Damian Lillard scoring a franchise record 59 points against the Utah Jazz on the way to what would become the Blazers clinching due to a Russell Westbrook game-winning three that got him to 50 points and also in a game where he broke the triple-double record in a season against the Denver Nuggets, which knocked them out of the playoffs, clinched the spot for the Blazers. Some are calling it the most clutch three in Blazers history. Jakeless, I don't know what you think about that, but I have seen that before as well. And there's just a lot to talk about on the show. We want to recap this crazy weekend, but of course we also want to talk about the upcoming weekend where the Blazers will open the 2017 NBA playoffs on the road in Golden State. It's either on Saturday or Sunday. We're not sure exactly what day it will be. The schedule usually comes out in the middle of this week, so we're expecting something on either Wednesday or Thursday. I'm expecting it to be an ABC game. Most likely, Warriors equals a lot of people watching, so you'd expect it to be on national television, on network TV as well. But there is a lot that we have to get to, Gliss, so let's dive right on into it. Let's do it. Let's start with 59 points. Damian Lillard sets the record against... I think a lot of people are foregoing the fact that this was against the Utah Jazz. One of the best defensive teams out there. One of the best defensive there. teams out there, and he scores 59. Glitz, tell us about how it was for you watching this game and what what kind of were your thoughts as he was getting closer and closer to almost 60. Obviously, you know, just a special night. You kind of knew right off the bat just how hot he was in the first quarter, as CJ kind of alluded to in our uh, opening sound bites there. Yeah. That you you know, when a player gets going that early, a player, you know, as talented as Damian Lillard, you kind of see it coming a little bit. Um, just you start to keep track like, okay, now he's on pace for this much or now he could get to this number. Um, I did think it was kind of funny. You know, the guys were kind of giving him crap when he came back to the bench because he missed two out of those final three free throws to miss 60. Yeah. Um, 
So that was uh, that was kind of funny at the end there. But yeah, man, to do it against the Utah Jazz, who are so good defensively, and it's just a team that you know has given the Blazers fits all season. Really, I mean, they have not played well against Utah in general, and um, you know to see him do it against that team. And I think, you know, also just the fact that another big game, I mean, it just kind of put the stamp on the fact exactly. that he's really, you know, you can talk about how the Nurkic trade uh, changed the whole dynamic of the team. And obviously they, you know, had a, a great march, uh, the best march of any team in the NBA. But it really just put his, puts a stamp on the fact that he has really been the leader um, in terms of getting them to this position, and you know they they did it. I mean, he got them in. So, yeah, and it was it was just exciting to see him have twenty six in the first quarter. Then it's kind of that feeling that you know something special is going to happen, or at least I mean, not even maybe not special, but he's going to put up at least forty, or like CJ talked about, or thirty. And in the who knows when, and then he doesn't score in the second quarter. So then it's like, okay, now this yeah. is kind of bringing us back to earth. That might but, be the craziest part. Yeah, exactly. No points in the second quarter, but then he comes back in the third and does it again. Then he comes back in the fourth and does it again. And I mean, it was at that point where it was just get him the ball and just see what happens. And he's taking these step back fadeaways that Dame shoots. And when he's putting those in, you know, you're in huge trouble and he's putting them in, in the fourth quarter. And it was just incredible to watch. It was exciting. It was felt it also felt very deserved for Trailblazers fans because of this year. Yeah. And it was just so exciting to see him go off like that. And you know he's capable of doing that on any given night, but this was more so than any time we've ever seen before. And to do it in such an important game where the Blazers are, the magic number is two at that point. And if they win this one, that means any loss or any Blazers win, any loss on the Nuggets end gets them into the playoffs. And that just pretty much clinches it at that point. And they do it against a good Utah team that's given them a lot of trouble all season on. Like like you said, it was just a culmination of so many different things that were going on. So many things that we know the Blazers are capable of, Damian Lillard is capable of. And it, it, it was a good feeling for everyone who was a part of it and everyone who watched it. And a great defensive eff- effort by the Blazers as well. Yeah. Which is, you know, uh, an important side note. The obviously. whole team played well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It gets kind of lost in the shuffle when a guy goes off for nearly 60 points. Yeah. But it is important to point that out, that they played probably one of their most complete defensive games of the season. Only had three turnovers, too. Right. I think that was a franchise record as well as a franchise low. It was only three turnovers in the entire game. That's beautiful. You always want to see that. Especially when a guy like Dame is scoring a lot, that means he's going to have the ball a lot in his hands and he's going to get it pressured more. And for them to only have three turnovers in a game like that speaks even more volume to how much control Damian Lillard had of this game and how dominant he was on the offensive side of the ball. Okay, so we start with the Utah game, the 59 points. That's what we started our highlights with. We played two clips from Lillard, the the three to get him to 51, which tied his career high. And then the three that was looked at and called a three that gave him the Blazers franchise record for a game. Of course, he wasn't done yet. But that game finishes the Blazers' magic number is one. Okay, and I just, at, at that point you kind of feeling like, all right, they're the they're, Blazers they're are in good be shape. In. But I don't think anyone saw what happened <laughs> coming before it did. And I also just want to give a shout out to our last week's podcast. If you didn't listen to it, me and Gliss pretty much predicted exactly what was going to happen. Flat out, like we Just both give talked, ourselves a pat on yeah, the back. Yeah, but give ourselves a pat on the back. <laughs> we both said that okay, beat the Wolves. You know the Nuggets are going to lose to the Rockets. Both those things happened, and then 
I I believe I said that Russell Westbrook would be looking for a triple the triple double record against the Nuggets, and it would be you know obviously a difficult time for Denver to guard against that and to play against Russell Westbrook in that game. Now I did not say that Russell Westbrook was going to hit a three that not only knocked Denver out of the playoff picture, but also gave him 50 points in the game on the night where he broke the triple-double record, got his 42nd triple-double of the season. And just an incredible game from Russell Westbrook. And we both talked about how we're not huge fans of the guy, but he is kind of our, I don't know, how he's a spirit animal maybe for the podcast. He has a couple clips in our intro. That's right. So, you know, maybe you maybe there was a little something going on there that we can't account for, but Russell Westbrook does it for the Blazers. It's a game winning three. And this was a deep three. I, I watched the I watched the it was replay about of it. forty feet yeah, out. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> it was, yeah, it was pretty far out there. Westbrook hits a three, ends Denver season, pushes the Blazers into the playoffs, and just caps a historic weekend for at least Russell Westbrook and caps a season for the Blazers, which is now ending a regular season, which is now ending in the playoffs being clinched. So, yeah, I was I was jumping up and down in my living room when he yeah. hit the shot. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I mean, there was just so many different things, so many different emotions going there. But this is one of my favorites here, as uh, we had a guy on the Blazers who predicted this a, a few games ago. Happy summer. Happy summer. Happy summer. So Nurkic <laughs> says happy summer to the Nuggets, and Russell Westbrook reiterates that statement with a three that ends their playoff hopes and but you rip their heart out exactly rip their heart out but i have a lot of good things to say about the nuggets too that team is going to be a power to come for in years in the next few years for sure with uh, Jokic at center and they have a lot of things to look forward to the blazers earned that spot this year more so than they did but in the future there's going to be a lot of battles between Jokic and Nurkic hopefully and i'm i'm excited to see them so they don't have anything to necessarily hang their heads for they 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 had a fantastic season and uh the Blazers just earned it this time and a historic player ended their season and yeah if there's any way for it to happen you know that's got to be how it is sometimes yeah and for sure and and to your point um I mean Westbrook the season that he's had is just it's been ridiculous and so it's almost fitting that he would end their season like that where on a day where he makes history because you look at that Denver team, they are in very good shape going forward. And if you look at, you know, the the division the Blazers are in, the Northwest division, you gotta think that, you know, Westbrook is uh having a very special season, but you kinda wonder that, you know, with Utah and Denver and Portland, if uh Denver doesn't kind of leapfrog uh Oklahoma City next year, you know, ha- given that Westbrook has literally had to carry a team on his back. Uh, for them to get there. Sure, yeah. The Northwest Division for years to come should be very interesting coming up. But a lot of the comments after this Westbrook game winner and the 50-point triple-double coming from a lot of NBA players, coming from a lot of media as well, saying now this guy's obviously the MVP. I mean, this has been a huge argument all year. And for Blazer fans, I've seen a lot of comments on Blazers' websites. Oh, Westbrook is definitely the Blazers' MVP now. If you had to pick a if you had to pick an MVP of the NBA, you'd pick Westbrook. If you had to pick an MVP of the Blazers, you'd pick Lillard, of course. But now with this MVP race, it seems like all Blazers fans should be pointing to Westbrook. But I also just wanted to point out that Harden, Harden, James Harden, who's the other man in this two-man MVP race, he beat down the Nuggets a lot for the Blazers, too. So maybe not necessarily go straight to Westbrook. Westbrook delivered the dagger. 
But James Harden beat the Nuggets time after time, helping the Blazers in the end of the season for that playoff race, ultimately leading to that game where the Blazers and Nuggets battled. They had lost to the Rockets twice before that game, and then the and then the Rockets beat the Nuggets again after that. So a lot of losses came from James Harden. And just thinking about these two players, Gliss, I mean, there's a lot going on in this MVP race. It's a really tough one to call. I just wanted to really quickly get your input on it and see if we uh, differ on who we think should be the MVP. So if you had to pick an MVP today, Gliss, before we get into this Blazers-Warriors preview on the Rip City Wake and Take, who would your MVP be? Russell Westbrook is the MVP. <laughs> I, and up until about 10 days ago, I was I was James Harden guy. Yeah. Um, just It's been remarkable what he's done. I've never been a James Harden fan, but the fact that he's kind of changed his game and... And D'Antoni even called it before the season started that, you know, this guy's going to lead, lead the league in assists. He, I think he said 13 a game. And bam, the guy goes out there and does it. Totally changes um, just kind of his his identity as who he is as a player. And his team's in third place in the West. So I was looking at the overall picture uh, the entire year, the fact that he has his team in the top three in the Western Conference. And he really changed his game to do it. But at some point, man... Russell Westbrook, the the things that he's done have been unbelievable. And if you took him, if you take him off of the Thunder, I mean they're probably one of the bottom three teams in the Western Conference. So for yeah. that reason, um, I get that James Harden has you know more uh, more balance in terms of having a team around him that's really legitimately a contender, possibly. Um, but Westbrook got him to the playoffs, and with the numbers he's done it with I just I can't overlook that the guy has just had an unbelievable season I have to agree with you as well I'm I was I've been almost Westbrook for the majority that this conversation has been had the last few few weeks I've heard a lot of good arguments for James Harden and I looked more into Harden's stats and what he's done this year and for about a week or two I was on the Harden train as well I said Harden should get it especially with the fact that Westbrook has been padding his stats a little bit. He and has. Harden is almost averaging a triple-double, so you have to take that out of the conversation. Averaging a triple-double isn't necessarily the biggest part of who should be this MVP. But I think it is what you talked about before right then, is that the difference between the Thunder without Westbrook and the Rockets without Harden, it's astronomical. And it's so important because the Thunder without Westbrook... They are not a playoff team, and like you said, maybe a bottom three, and they're fighting for the lottery without Westbrook. Without Harden, that Rockets team is still very good. Still a pretty decent still team. Still a very good you know, team. Eric Gordon can yeah. score, Ryan Anderson. They have, they have some good players on Now, obviously, team. James Harden makes them what they are. For sure. And there isn't, there's a just, if you took the win totals with both those teams lost on the, you know, both those teams' players lost, their MVPs lost. It's it's the difference between the Thunder is a lot greater, and I think that's what it has to come down to, especially when he's doing things like he did against the Nuggets. And, I Just mean, three, absolutely insane. Three 50-point games yeah. which, with triple-doubles. And, you know, you talk about he has padded his stats, and it's been shown in kind of people have talked about the fact that he's had a lot of uncontested rebounds and things like these. But you're right. It's not just about the triple double, and if you're really yeah, going to get take nitpicky, it out of the conversation, honestly. Yeah, and if, if you want to get nitpicky, you could say that James Harden is also playing in the perfect system uh, for him to succeed as a true point guard with all those shooters around him. So, I mean, you could kind of pick apart either argument if you really wanted to get into it. And with with the numbers that Westbrook has, I mean, it's undeniable.
Okay, before we get into our playoff talk, we're gonna get it. We'll do a little little playoff preview here. We'll at least talk about what's going on in this Blazers Warriors series, what we can expect. But we just got one more thing we gotta say to the Denver Nuggets. Happy summer. Okay, this is the Rip City Wake and Take. Blazers in the playoffs, fourth season in a row that the Blazers have made it, playoffs. starting a new streak. <laughs> they've made it like seventy percent of the years that the Blazers have been a team. They've been in the playoffs. Some ridiculously high stat. They, of course, had a streak in the 90s that was like 20-something years in a row. Yeah, every year. (laughs) And so now, hopefully, this is the beginning of another one. But uh, the talk from the teams has started a little bit already. Draymond Green did an interview where he was asked questions about the Blazers and what he expects from this series. So we're going to go ahead and listen to that, and then we'll also talk about what we expect from the series, what the Blazers have to do to win this series, and what we should expect from the Blazers as fans. But here's Draymond Green talking about how he envisions playing the Blazers and how the Blazers have been playing lately. We are a different team since the last time we played. Obviously, we don't know if Nurkic will be back or not, but... Um... They're also a different team with him in it, but they're playing with with a lot more confidence. So Draymond Green hits on the most important thing about this series, and at least right now. And I think for this podcast and as as long as we know, we should expect Nurkic to play, I think, in in Game 1. And that's how we should talk about this series. I don't know if you agree with me on that, Gliss, but when we talk about this series right now, it should be with Nurkic playing in Game 1. Seeing him on the bench against the Jazz, he's standing up. He looks good, and a lot of people have pointed to that. Obviously, no one's a doctor, and no one understands the difference. I mean, we don't understand the difference between him jumping up and down on the bench compared to playing basketball. But for us to have a fair conversation about this series right now, as far as previewing it, it should be with Nurkic playing in Game 1. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of looking at it that way. I mean, it's interesting because yeah. I've heard a lot of people say the opposite. Like, they think there's no chance he's going to play. Really? Um, I know Canzano's on that train. He thinks it would be, you know, foolish for them to play him. Just, you know, betting on the fact that you want to take care of his future. He's 22 years okay. old. Not to worry about it. And, you know, I get that side of the argument. I happen to disagree. I don't know that he's... I don't know if I'm sold that he'll play in game one. But I do think he is going to play in this series. And I'm just basing that on the fact that, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of family in healthcare and I've <laughs> t- I talked to people <laughs> Dr. about. Dr. Gliss. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and I've talked to people about this kind of injury. We actually had a doctor on the BFT last week as well, kind of talking about it. And the thing is, is it's not a very, uh, it, it doesn't bear a lot of weight yeah. on this particular bone that he has a fracture in. We don't know how big the fracture is. But non-displacement means things are still lined up. There's just a small fracture there. And from what I understand, if it's not lower in uh, in the bone, closer to the ankle, there's not a whole lot of issues that can kind of set you back. And that it might okay. it might just come down to a pain tolerance thing. Yeah. And if that's the case, you got to think he's going to want to play in this series. Yeah, and I think that is that's very important to whether or not he's going to play because... Like you said, this this bone apparently doesn't carry a lot of weight, and it doesn't sound like and a lot that argument that we want to watch him for the future. I think doesn't necessarily apply here because if there's not a lot of risk, yeah, if there's not a lot of risk, and the the only thing that could happen is oh, this is a this is a bone that is is it's going to hurt a it little hurt. bit, yeah. and that's the kind of problem. Then you got to assume he's gonna he's gonna play. 
It looks like he's going to play. He's acting like he's going to play. He's participated in the last couple shoot-arounds yeah, before games. Exactly. They said it's, he's not wearing any protective gear or anything like that. And I would also say um, just the fact that they gave a two-week timeline. They didn't need to do that. Yeah. So the fact that they gave a two-week window uh, for him to be reevaluated uh, kind of tells me that they were thinking that that's, you know, that's yeah. what they're sticking to. They're going to take a look at it. And if there's nothing else there, then you know they might give them the green light. Okay, so for for this podcast, for this conversation that we're going to have the rest of the time about the Blazers-Warriors series, Yusuf Nurkic is starting in Game 1. Okay, with that said, with that said, what? how do the Blazers approach this series? How is What's Terry Stott's first play when the Blazers get the ball in Game 1? Feed the beast! In, in Oracle, right? <laughs> you would assume so. You would think. Now, the... This will be a big game. Blazers-Warriors, you would assume, should be on ABC an early afternoon game on either Saturday or Sunday because that's going to attract the most viewers, um, especially for start of the NBA playoffs. So this is gonna, there's going to be a lot riding on what the Blazers do in this game. Now, it could be one of those classic, you know, one seed, eight seed, one seed blows them out to the start. But Terry Stotts, you think, has got to have something up his sleeve because teams have been dominated by this Warriors team for a long time. So is there something out of the box that Terry can do? That's kind of my question, and that's kind of what I'm looking for is what the, how the Blazers approach the series. What's that? What is, is there an out-of-the-box play the Blazers can make, or is there something differently that they can do, or do they keep playing the same style of basketball that they've been playing? Because now they didn't beat the Warriors this regular season. The Blazers never played the Warriors when they had Yusuf Nurkic. I think it was June twenty or June, <laughs> uh, January 29th, I believe, was the last uh, game. So it was a about lot two weeks before the Nurkic trade. A lot different since then. Definitely. So, so that's kind of what I'm looking for: is is the Blazers playing with Nurkic different, and is that that out of the box thing, or are they going to come out? Are the Blazers going to come out with something completely different as far as how they're going to play this Warriors team? Because they saw them in the playoffs last year, and that's a different Blazers team. But obviously, out shooting them, eh, that's not that's probably no. not going to work. Um, and can the Blazers guard them? Eh, probably no. not. Durant's <laughs> back now. Durant has played in regular season game now, and Durant looks to be looks like he's going to be ready for this series as well. So I'm kind of looking for this out of the box play, and that's kind of how I expect the Blazers to come out of this series. Come just. Take a risk. I mean, what? What? Why not? Do something. Do lose. something a little different. I don't know what it is. I mean, is it put a press on them? A a, a one player press the whole game to try to di- uh, tire out the backcourt. Is it do something differently on the defensive end? Is it slow the game down so Dame, CJ, and Nurk can all operate in a half court set as opposed to this freestyle offense that the Warriors want to plan? I don't exactly know, and I don't exactly know how you do that. But I kind of just want to see something that's different that the Warriors haven't seen before. So at least it takes them some time to adjust. And maybe they can catch them in game one or two on some sort of difference that the Warriors haven't seen that Kerr isn't expecting or something like that. And make it a game and give yourself a chance in game one or game two down in in Oakland. And I think you hit on, hit on it already is if Nurkic plays, I think that's the kind of thing that they will use to try to um, maybe exploit some weaknesses because, you know, let's not forget the Warriors, I mean, they're unbelievable. They're world beaters, but they did give up some depth uh, t- to make room for Durant. 
So it's a different Warriors team as well. They're just as good and just as lethal, if not more lethal. But one area where they have struggled a little bit is defending you know, good post players. So you would think if Nurkic is going to play that that's one angle they would kind of look at is you know maybe we give uh, maybe we give him the ball and make them stop him yeah um, to start with and then play off you know just kind of play off of him uh, with two great shooters out on the wings because then at that point the Warriors are going to have to adjust and try to you know make up for the fact that they don't have someone that can truly guard him I mean Draymond Green is a big guy he's a tough guy um, but I don't think he can guard him. Uh, Zaza Pachulia, he doesn't scare me that much in terms of being able to guard Nurkic. Because, I mean, the thing is, is Nurkic is not only big, but he's very, you know, skilled around the basket. He has yeah. a big body. He's going to be able to get good position um, on most of their post players, I would think, if he is able to go. Uh, so that's what I'm going to be looking at. If he's able to play, I'm guessing that they're going to use him to attack a little bit and try to open things up and make Golden State adjust to them, uh, given the fact that they have not had to play the Blazers with Nurkic. Also, I got to think that the starting lineup, I've got a few questions about the starting lineup. I don't think Noah Vonley should start in this series because last season the same thing happened. Vonley didn't start in the series because the Warriors have that small lineup to start and it should probably be Alfaru Kuminu who starts in this lineup because he can he can fit with Draymond Green and following Draymond Green as far as everything that he does on the court and that's not necessarily a spot maybe where Vonley should fit in now maybe you start Vonley and see how he works against Draymond because Vonley has shown that he can go out and guard the perimeter but Draymond Green's a lot would be a lot to handle for Noah Vonley so I'm not exactly sure where that four-spot matchup is going to go, and that's kind of something that I have a lot of questions about. Now, if Al-Faruq Aminu does start, then I think you go probably eight or nine deep off the bench, if nine. Yeah. And I don't know, Alan Crabb coming off the bench, you've got to think uh, Evan Turner and then either Vonley or Chief would be as far as you go because I don't trust Myers Leonard in this series, no. especially on the defensive side. So you're probably going to go eight deep with either Vonley or Chief in the four spot. And then the other question has to be the backcourt. Who guards the Warriors' backcourt as far as um, between Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, and Mo Harkless? Who's going to be guarding who in that three? You got to imagine Mo's going to be guarding Kevin Durant. So then you got to decide if Lillard or CJ will guard um, Curry or, or Clay Thompson. So that's I, another big question. Those are the I think the biggest questions we have so far, or I have so far, is does Vonley start and who guards Curry and who guards Clay? I think that we'll also see some Evan Turner uh, get some minutes on on both of those guys, especially in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, I think that's you know I think that is an important point to make. You know I think that we will probably see guys like Evan Turner, Mo Harkless, and Aminu utilized a little more for defensive strategy to try to. I mean, you're not going to stop the Warriors. There's too much scoring there. Um, but, you know, I I would think those guys are all pretty big, long guys that, you know, may be able to have a little bit of success at least slowing them down. Yeah. So I think it'll be really interesting to see uh, what the lineups, uh, what they kind of try to do the first game or two mm-hmm. and how it develops from there, what works, what doesn't work. Obviously, last year, game one, they kind of got blown out of the water. 
I would think they're going to be ready to go this time. Um, yeah, and, and you'd, you'd hope so. You'd hope Nurkic will be there. But, I mean, let's not forget, this is a very, very, very good basketball team. Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to give the Blazers much of a shot to win this series. If not, I've heard some people say sweep already. Um, I personally think the Blazers have enough talent, especially at you know the wing positions, where they're at least going to get one game out of this series. I kind of see you know the the ceiling maybe being uh, six games. Yeah. Um, but I mean that's the thing is I I think that the Blazers are going to try to be the aggressor in the first game, especially if they have Nurkic in there, and they're going to try to make Golden State adjust to what they're doing. If you can actually be successful or not doing that, I you know we're just going to have to see because that's a damn good basketball team. Listen, that kind of brings us into our next topic, which is what can you what do you expect from the Blazers in this series as fans? Now, this season has obviously gone up and down, up and down with so many different things, so many different times where the Blazers haven't looked ready to when they come out to a game. And that's kind of what I'm looking at in this Blazers-Warriors series. You said ceiling six, and maybe we shouldn't describe this series as far as what we're looking at into how many games it's going to go but how the Blazers come out and really play because we know what they're how capable they of. And we saw it kind of last, se- or last season in the Blazers-Warriors series. They came out and competed. Now, it only went five, but they came out after game one, those next four games, they came out and competed every night and gave it their all, and that's really what you want to see. And if they do do that, you'd expect them to maybe get one or maybe get two, who knows, get get at least one win and ha- and have some close ones in the series where they could win if things fall their way. Um, so that's kind of what I'm expecting as a fan. How about you, Gliss? What are you, you kind of looking for as far as just watching this team play and after the season we've gone through? I, what you just said I think is perfect. I think yeah. if, you were a Blazer, if you're a Blazer fan, you had to be somewhat encouraged by what you saw from Portland last year when they played the Warriors. And, you know... Given how this season has went, yeah. I think it's kind of nice that you play the Warriors. I mean, yeah, you don't want to lose in the first round, but they fought really hard to get back into the position and really earn that eighth playoff spot. Yes, they're yep. going to hover right around the 500 mark. And overall, is the season a dis- disappointment in terms of what the expectations were? Yeah, probably. But you can only take it for what it is now. And what you have now is you have a center in place, which is something you did not have at the beginning of the season. True. And you have some promise. I mean, let's not forget, this is the youngest team in the NBA also. Yep, that's important. And so, you know, if they're going to take some lumps and they lose in five games, but they're able to go out there and compete at the highest level with the probably best team in the NBA, then I'm going to be all right with that. Awesome. All right, Gliss. This has been the episode of the Rip City Wake and Take the Blazers are getting some rest against the Spurs as well. Dame, Lots CJ, and Crab <laughs> all out tonight. I know Alan Crab had the injury before. Yeah. So Dame and CJ taking tonight off against the Spurs. Now this game doesn't really matter at all, honestly. So that's kind of why we didn't talk about it today. It's more importantly, we're looking ahead to that Warriors series. And yeah, these last two games really don't have any meaning. Yeah, I they can finish 500, but that's yeah, that's about the only it. thing I was yeah. going to say. But I'm kind of excited to watch the game tonight because yeah, I want to see relax, some Jake Lehman and yeah. Pat Connington. And like, you put put your feet up. You don't yeah, have to be sweating, right. biting your nails the whole time. You never you know. Just chill. Sometimes games like this late in the season can be really fun, like that too. Yeah, you know, where, when teams. Don't have as much on the line. Yeah, Yeah. 
You never know. Jake Lehman could go off for 40. We'll see. Exactly. <laughs> so that'll be tonight for the Blazers. They finish up the season against the Pelicans. Then this weekend, open up your schedules, folks, because the Blazers will be playing the Warriors sometime on Saturday or Sunday. I know I was saying it's probably going to be an ABC afternoon game. Gliss, do you have any predictions for what time this game will be? I would think that it would be an ABC game as well, which would probably place them on Sunday. I personally am hoping for Sunday because I'm going to my first Timbers game on Saturday night. Oh, nice. So I'm hoping it's not... uh, I'm hoping they they give uh, that Saturday night slot to maybe Utah Clippers or something like that. Yeah. Because that's the one thing to consider is because we're on the West Coast, it's probably going to be one of the two later in the day games. Yeah. And I would think... Uh, like a 5, 5.30. Yeah, so that way I'd like to yeah. see maybe a 5 o'clock game on Sunday. Okay. But yeah. we'll see. And you'll most likely find out either Wednesday or Thursday what the schedule will be. As soon as we find out, we'll let all of our listeners know on our Facebook page. Um, yeah, and hopefully we can get back yeah. on and uh, do a little exactly. a little bonus episode. Yeah, we're hoping to do two episodes this week, coming out maybe one, another one either on Thursday or Friday, and we'll get more... Because we just, I mean, just yesterday know that the Blazers play the Warriors in the first round. So we didn't have a lot of time to prep for what yeah. we're going to preview in the series. But by Thursday or Friday, we'll have a hopefully another show ready just to prep this series and give you all the information that we can about how the Blazers can give themselves a chance against the Warriors this weekend. But this has been the Rip City Wake and Take. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on SoundCloud. We're also on iTunes where you can subscribe to our podcast and give us a review, give us a rating, tell us how we're doing. You can, of course, tweet at either me or Jakeless at any time you want. I'm at more of Alex Jakeless. Where are you at? At Jakeless Rip City. And he's also on the BFT 12 to 3. He produces that show Monday through Friday. Does an excellent job. This man's one of the best producers thank in the game you, right you. now. Out in oh, we'll have right lots of Warriors talking on the show this of course, week there of as course. well. So. You know when Gliss is running it, he's going he's gonna to give a lot of Blazers Warriors talk out there. And so check his show out. They, of course, are on SoundCloud as well. And you can podcast their show there too. So this has been the Rip City Wake and Take. To the Nuggets, we say happy, happy summer. To the Blazers, we say welcome to the playoffs. Good luck against the Warriors. Stay woke till this weekend. Ooh.